You're listening to The Counseling Clinic with Aisha G. And Lisa Michelle, the show for up-and-coming mental health professionals, advocates, and anyone else who wants to learn more about the mental health field from two not-so-professional professionals. Hello, folks. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome back if you've been here before. If not, we're happy to have you. So, today we want to discuss psychotropic medication. So we've just come from our series on uh, mental health and the system, which was amazing. Uh, It's pretty great. (laughs) It was pretty great. Um, We did the legal system, the healthcare system, and the education system. And, you know, in those systems, you often come into contact with people using psychotropic medication. Um, And then during the episode on the legal system, we talked about clients having the right to decline treatment, right? So they don't have to take medication. But if they're in treatment, it's very likely to be a part of their treatment plan. And so obviously you'll have people who comply and people who don't comply. But that's why we wanted to get into this topic today is to talk about just the medication and and give you information because you're very likely to come into contact with it. And also just as a reminder, we are not trying to prescribe anyone medication in this conversation (laughs) or telling you to or to not take medication. You know, we are working on becoming more professional professionals and we're just discussing the topic. So I know everyone has, or most people have opinions on this. So just be aware that we are not giving you anything other than the research we've done, but also our opinion. So first, psychotropic medication is just medication used for psychological illnesses. And Before we get into it, I want to share some notes with you that we found on an article from Mental Health America. So the first note is that medications are not cures, right? They treat symptoms. And also, if you stop taking them, then your symptoms likely return. So that's the first thing. It's not a cure. The second note is that every medicine has its benefits and its risks. Okay, And like Michelle said, most people have a stance on medication, specifically psychotropic medication for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why that's the one that's like, oh, no. (laughs) But, you know, most people have a stance. But the fact is that all medicines have benefits and risks. Absolutely. And so the thing to remember is that it's likely that you get prescribed a medication because the benefits will outweigh the side effects, right? Right. And sometimes you have to keep in mind that you might not know how the medication will affect you until you try it. The next note is that medications often help the most when they're part of an overall treatment plan. So you could go and see your PCP and tell them that you're having trouble sleeping and you're feeling hopeless and helpless and you're feeling empty and you lost your appetite and you're losing weight and you're fatigued um, and have trouble concentrating. And they say, okay, I'm going to prescribe you an antidepressant, right? They're also very likely to tell you, Also, you sound like you're depressed and I want you to go to this clinic for therapy, right? Right. (laughs) They're very likely to tell you to do both because 
it works better together. Um. Right. I mean, they're both very powerful things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, and we're going to touch on it in a little bit, but they're meant to work together to help mm-hmm. each other. You know, if there were a pill that you could take and then all of your mental health concerns go away, we would have already figured that out. Right. You know, like if, if that were the case, our profession wouldn't really be as prominent and as necessary as it is because right. there's something more to mental health and even medication and the medication process treatment right. treatment, treatment. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that yeah there's more to it than just taking the pill it's it's also checking in with your counselor and and working through things in counseling just like you would if you were taking um, medications or chemotherapy I mean you do still have to check in with a physician you still have to work through the other parts of the the treatment right right and because of that medication doesn't always need to be forever you know something that we've learned or we've talked about is that the goal of therapy is to not need therapy um just like going to the doctor just like um, any other medicinal treatment is to not need it forever Um, or having a teacher is to not need them right so you know the stuff without them that's a good one right that's a really good one (laughs) but yeah i mean So many mental illnesses and treatments for mental illness include you becoming not the client anymore. You know, like Mm -hmm. the goal is that you you can handle these things on your own. Now, not all mental illnesses. I'm not speaking to everything by all means. There are some things that likely you'll have to be in treatment long term or even on medication long term but not all of them right not all of them so talk to your prescriber and or your counselor about weaning off both people have to to be in the know on that one and then also another note about that is that you have to be putting in the work too right so the medication doesn't have to be forever the treatment doesn't have to be forever but again they all work together so so you can't just stop because they don't need to be forever you do the work so that you don't need them forever you know right (laughs) absolutely so and then the fourth note that mental health america has is it takes time to feel better people you know most of the time people don't start feeling something one month and go to see a mental health professional or see their doctor and say hey can i have this medication right it doesn't usually work that quickly. For most people, it takes a while before they go to see somebody about it. But it also takes a while before you feel better. <laughs> so right. there's work to be put in. And also, you know, you're a person, you have a lot of stuff going on. And so sometimes the medication itself might take a while to work. But also, it might take you a while to notice that that medication is not working for you, right? That doesn't mean stop mm-hmm. taking it. And it doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that medication won't work for you. It simply means to talk to your prescriber about what's going on and find something else, right? Pay attention to those side effects or whatever it is that you're experiencing and talk to somebody about it, which is another benefit of counseling because you're. Uh, mental health professional is likely going to be asking you about that, right? Are you sleeping okay? Has your appetite changed? Have you noticed a difference in your weight, right? Are your moods the same? They're going to be checking in with you about that so that they notice, even if you don't, that something is kind of off, right? So these things work together. I'm sorry. And I would say to, no, you're good. Sorry. And I would say to counselors, 
if you're not checking in on clients who you know are taking medication or just starting medication, check in with them on that. Right. Start. It's not too late to start. You know. we, we all here to be better professionals. <laughs> so go ahead and start. So those are the notes. And I want us to start with that first, because like we talked about, you know, most people have a stance on medication because either they're sometimes they're afraid of it. They think that it doesn't work, that you get hooked on it. Sometimes people do think it's a cure all, right? Some people think that it's only risk and there's no benefit. Some people think that you don't have to have a a bigger treatment plan. Some people get upset when it doesn't work right away. So those are really important notes to start with before we get into the medication itself. So now let's kind of talk about some of the, or I guess the major types of psychotropic medication. So Michelle, can you give us the list of the types of psychotropic medication? Yeah. So we've got antipsychotics, antidepressants, mood stabilizers, anxiolytics or anti-anxiety medications, tranquilizers or sleeping pills, and then stimulants and, you know, the related medications to stimulants. Okay. And also the article I just mentioned earlier on Mental Health America, that article has a really good layout for clients and advocates. So if you get a chance or if you if you have a need to, definitely check that article out because, like I said, it has a really good layout for clients and advocates. It's really easy to read. It's not a lot of jargon. And for me, I wish that they had more science in it, but I think that it makes it really client friendly, you know, so it's very clear on what you need to know as a client or as an advocate. So I think that would provide some useful information to you. And then also remember our rule, you know, do your own research. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, that that one is a good article. And of course, we'll list the other, we use them because we think the other ones are good too. But, you know, don't just listen to what we tell you or what a prescriber tells you or what a, a mental health professional tells you. Do your own research as well so that you feel comfortable enough with the information you have. The point is for you to make informed decisions decisions, right? And the professionals are likely helping to inform you, but definitely do your own research as well. So a few stats we found doing research for this episode. A 2013 study showed that Xanax, which is an anxiolytic psychotropic medication, is the most prescribed psychotropic medication in the U.S. Now, it's been a few years, but and it's listed in the Good Therapy article that's below, but it showed that it was pretty significant in how much more this is prescribed than any of the other drugs on the list, which is really strange, right? Uh, interesting, at least. I, don't, I, I guess not strange, but I just really wouldn't expect that. I wouldn't either. I would have guessed um, Prozac or um, a leading antidepressant, which was number four. So mm-hmm. I was just surprised. I, I wouldn't have put Xanax that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. That's really interesting to me. And obviously, you know, we know with we know that Xanax is pretty popular right now, <laughs> especially in like pop culture and stuff like that. Right. Um, but that may or may not be prescribed. So it's what? the the word prescribed what? to me is <laughs> is interesting. So I just yeah. wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, um, I, I thought the same thing. And then another thing mentioned from we have two stats from uh, there's an advisory dot com article that says twenty one percent of women and twelve percent of men from their study were taking psychotropic medication, which that's pretty 
I wouldn't have put it that distant. You know, I would have thought the numbers would have been a little closer together. Yeah. I mean, we do know that the mental health field Mm -hmm. is female-dominated on both sides, right? Professional and client. So I guess it makes sense, but I agree. I wouldn't have imagined that it was such a huge gap. Yeah. So another set of stats from same article, same, I believe it's the same study even, broke the psychotropic medications down by ethnicity and race. And they found that those taking them were approximately 20% white, 10% black, 9% Hispanic or Latina, 4% Asian. Hmm. Hmm. What you got? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It's just interesting. For me, it was kind of the same. Um, not quite as much with the the gender breakdown and how the the gap between the two was was pretty significant. I expected it to be probably in this order, just based on different stuff that we've learned about yeah. different cultures yeah. and medication, yeah. especially psychotropic medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, it was still a little it's a little deep for me, you yeah. know. Yeah, the breakdown. So, or I guess the distance between each. Right. The last note is that on the Drug Topics article that we have below, it said that some groups will receive multiple psychotropics at one time, and one of those being uh, children in foster care are often on numerous psychotropics all at once. Yeah, and that don't surprise me at all. Just, <laughs> can you tell us like the rest of the list? The only other one they mentioned was low-income families, like the children in low-income households. So first, I wish they wouldn't say it like that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And but, I, you know, tried to paraphrase. So. But also, that also doesn't surprise me. Um, because that makes sense when I think about like, you know, I guess when you think about the people who are receiving services, so like in residential, right? Most of those clients are taking more than one kind of medicine, right? Right, Um, right. But in residential, or at least the one I worked in was predominantly low income, right? Yeah. And I would think like you know in uh intensive outpatient programs mm-hmm. um most of them are low income but they'll be yeah. taking multiple medications you know so i mean it fits you know yeah yeah so. uh, but it's just sad it makes me sad that right. that's right what fits right and i guess it's not i guess it's not completely bad like that's that sounds Fair. bad but that's not necessarily a bad thing because just because they're taking more than one type doesn't mean that they're like more ill or anything like that. You know, I think that that goes into the stigma, but really it may mm-hmm. have to do with something as simple as, well, I'm taking an antidepressant that's messing with my sleep schedule, right? So now I'm on an right. antidepressant and a, a, um, a, a tranquilizer. I'm sorry, I couldn't get the word out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, a tranquilizer, or you know, you're taking an antidepressant and anti-anxiety medication. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. you're taking these things to help work, not necessarily against each other, but work together because one is causing side effects, but you need to keep taking it, right? Yeah. So the other one is to combat those side effects. So it's not as cynical or conspiracy theory related, you know, like it's not, you know, it's not as yeah. much of a conspiracy as you want it to be, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that made me think of, you know, you know, you said it doesn't mean you're more ill. And I think another thing kind of in that stigma is that it doesn't mean that you're just a zombie all the time either. Cause right. I, I think that's what often happens, especially with children is that people think, yes. Oh, well, if you give them a medication, they're just going to be zonked out the whole day or whatever. Has it happened? Yes. You know, like right. that's, I'm not going to pretend like it hasn't or it's doesn't still. Uh, but that, like you said, sometimes it's just, hey, I'm taking this and then I have trouble starting, you know, to fall asleep. Right. So it doesn't mean that you're just sedated all the time. Right. Right. And, you know, again, that goes with the stigma, but that also creates another stigma that you shouldn't take it. Right. Yes. Which leads to the illness being untreated, which creates more issues. So it's just like a whole cycle and the symptoms being worse. Right. So... Yeah. So that's just un- unfortunate. But, you know, keep in mind that that's not always bad. Right. Absolutely. And so, like, we were just talking about, I named a few different settings, but you are likely to see clients using psychotropic medication in any setting, really, you know, an inpatient, outpatient, intensive outpatient. It might be a, a court order client. Um, kids take them, adolescents, adults, geriatrics. You will likely at some point in your career come into contact with a client who is taking psychotropic medication. And also it's a part of the treatment process. <laughs> so keep that in mind. But also as, as much as you're likely to see it, you're also very likely to be the middleman, right? Right. Obviously for the mental health professionals who are listening, you are very likely to be the middleman, right? You're likely not going to be the one prescribing it and you're the professional. So you're not the one taking it, right? So like Michelle mentioned earlier, make sure y'all remembering to check in with your clients, even though the medication is not technically your responsibility, it still all affects each other, right? And it could be creating some kind of interference with your treatment goals for that client. And then also you want to be the kind of professional who, like we talk about all the time here, values other professionals, right? So you don't want to ignore the medication, one, because it's affecting the client, but two, because you don't want it to seem like you're minimizing what the other professionals are doing, right? Even if you're not in the same place or if you're not technically in an integrated system, you still are working together because you're treating the same client. Absolutely. So, you know, check in about the medication interact with the prescribing professional as much as possible. I know that's not always up to you, Um, but, but then, but also, you know, on the client side, the client can sometimes feel like the middleman, right? Because it's kind of like people, everybody else is making decisions for you, right? So keep that in mind too, that the client could feel like they don't have enough control or that they don't have a lot of say or just kind of overwhelmed with the process in general, you know, like they just don't know. Um, (laughs) So keep that in mind too. And talk to them about that and remind them that they do have a voice and it is important for them to be not the middleman, but the main man, right? They have to be the one to tell you their symptoms. I think that's the most important thing. 
you know, you likely have to ask them the questions because they may not know the right things to tell you, but they do have to answer the questions, right? They have to give you the information. Otherwise you can't help. (laughs) I'm laughing at that because I mean, obviously Michelle, you remember me telling the kids that all the time, you know, and our Mm -hmm. little kid group, I can't help you if you don't give me the information. (laughs) You know, you may think that you're going to get in trouble, but that's not what this is about. This is about me having the information to give you the help that you need, right? And that comes into play with medication as well, because sometimes a client is not taking their medication, right? Sometimes maybe they didn't start. Maybe they ran out. Maybe it's a child who's fighting their parent or guardian about taking the medication, right? And they come to you and they're embarrassed. They're worried about what you will say about them not taking it. You know, they know that their symptoms are worse than usual because they're not taking it. So, you know, keep all of that stuff in mind and try to help clients feel comfortable enough to share the information so that you can give them the actual help that they need. I love that. That's that's what creating that safe place for clients is a lot of times. Right. So that's all we have for you today. We talked about the categories of psychotropic medication and where you're likely to see them as a professional. Also, we will have, I think it's two different charts that will be linked in the show notes that have commonly used medications. So if you're an up and coming professional, you may want to take a look at that, you know, just to have a reference. And as always, we would love for you to share your experiences with us. You know, what issues have you had working with clients who use psychotropic medications? Maybe share your experiences with prescribers. You know, have you been treated like a partner or a member of the treatment team? Or did you feel undervalued? Mm -hmm. Um, And then lastly, clients and advocates, utilize the resources available to you to make or to help make informed decisions. And, and hopefully we can help with that with listing things below. Like Aisha said, the, the charts and the tables are there for you guys too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to know if professionals are being treated like a part of the team. But remember, again, that this is all a partnership, right? Yes. So clients you have to work with the professionals, professionals, you have to guide the clients and we all have to work together, right? So share your symptoms. Professionals, remember to ask about symptoms. Remember to work together as much as possible when you're treating the same client. Um, So, and then I will leave you with, again, the notes from Mental Health America because they are so important and I want to get those, at least some of those things out of your head. So again, remember medications are not a cure. Every medicine has its benefits and its risks. Medications often help the most when they are part of an overall treatment program. And last but certainly not least, it can take time for you to feel better. So please, please, please remember those things and we will see you next week. Bye guys. to the Counseling Clinic with Aisha Jane and Lisa Michelle. Remember to check out our website at thecounselingclinicpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at the Counseling Clinic Podcast. We'll see you guys next week for our next session. Bye guys.
edited and produced by Chris Luke.